Hey everyone, it's episode 7 of The Passive Hang, and today I have another special guest. His name is Alan Long. Alan is a movement coach who comes from Sydney. He operates out of the Jungle Brothers Institution in Botany. I've been meaning to go there for a while, still haven't made it yet, but apart from coaching at Jungle Brothers, Alan also runs his own standalone business called Train Away Your Pain, and I think that's really interestingly titled it really goes to the heart of what i think is or has been a continuing theme for a lot of people that i've had on this show but then also just in my conversations what has been the motivating factor for them to get into movement and for others to seek deeper or ask more interesting questions of themselves and from their body pain seems to be a very great motivator in that respect. Now, Alan Alan has a really interesting story because he hasn't always been a movement coach. He was actually working for one of the big banks. He was a wealth advisor. So you can pretty much say, you know, one of those normal, normal jobs. And he made the switch a few years ago to jump into his passion. He goes through a lot of the struggles and learnings that he had to overcome, especially in the early days. And This makes me think of something I've heard recently, which is about passion versus business and passion being about doing something really for yourself. And when you decide to do business, that's when you have to step out of yourself and do it for others. And I think Alan in in this chat here really reflects a lot of the realities and practicalities of his own struggle with coming to terms with this. I think one key challenge that faces a lot of us is explaining explaining what we do and the benefits of movement or however you want to term it to other people. And I think Alan has thought about this a lot and in a very intelligent way of how he can relate himself and what he has learnt to others. And so I think there's a lot in that for for you if you're also struggling to find to find the words or to find the way in how to bring more of this complex movement stuff into your teaching and into your communications with others so i'll leave it at that i was really excited to have alan on i hope you guys enjoy this chat this is episode seven of the passive hang my name's Fayon, and here we go <laughs> but um yeah normally i uh i kick off the podcast just by just asking you yeah like maybe if you want to um just give a brief intro as to who you are where you come from and you know how the journey the journey has been so so far into whatever that you're doing at the moment okay cool so um my name's alan long and uh i so if you if you're talking about the journey being the movement journey that's basically kind of been all my life, starting with martial arts from, a, from an early age. But um, in terms of the movement culture, as we know it at the moment, I started doing the, the Edo Portal stuff maybe about six or seven years ago for a few years, mm-hmm. um, on and off sort of doing the uh, online training. I started, with, um, I started with the seminars and then I did some online training and then I got more into it and then I got to the internship. And then um, gradually, as my life changed and I started running my own business, um, which I now call Train Away Your Pain, mm-hmm. 
started to drift into other forms of movement exploration as my my ideas and my direction in, in life and career mm-hmm. started to crystallize. So at the moment, I'm running a company, well, my company called um, Train Away Pain. And essentially, I'm trying to help people to understand what this whole movement thing is and help people to um, better their relationship to their body. Mm-hmm. So all of what I do is help people to, to listen to what's already there and try to figure out why they're in pain or why they're uh, in a state of physical dis-ease or in a state of um, you know, lack of health, and then how to actually get them from where they are to where they want to be and how it actually relates to their, their lives. So helping people with the direction and confidence in where they're going, not just, yeah, mainly with the health with training away pain, but from a larger perspective, I'm, I'm really, really interested in helping people adapt that to their life and, and, and their life's direction. So um, a lot of what I do at the moment is kind of help people with like private coaching. I'm doing it online at the moment because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I used to, before, before the lockdown, I was doing private classes or private coaching, like one-on-one and um, getting people into the private group coaching where I'd essentially teach strength, mobility and coordination and give people a taste of um, what I've been exploring myself throughout my whole life and throughout the last six or seven years as part of the movement community mm-hmm. um, and just build a base from which they can learn their, like how to move their body again and express their physical gifts and how that relates to performing at their very best in whatever they choose to do in their lives. Yeah. It sounds amazing, man. I've been following, you know, a lot of your recent updates with your, with your work as well. And, you know, personally for me, I mean, uh, I get out there and do quite a lot of research and see what's out there as well. But even some of the simplicity, but then the, the um, I could immediately feel like some of the effects of some of your movements. I thought I was like, oh, yeah, this is like really good stuff, actually. Like, where's this come from? Um, you know, sometimes when you look at it, you're like, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that before. But even just, uh, yeah, some of the more, more recent stuff, um, I was like, oh, like this is actually quite new to me. And, you know, when I take a break from my computer as well, I get up and I do it and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling good. This is, this is great. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I want to um, unpack there, you know, from your early journey to, to where you are now as well. Um, but it's interesting how you're mentioning now it's like that stage where you're trying to, to, I guess, relay what you've learned to, to other people, because do you find it as well? Once you go down the rabbit hole, that is whatever you want to term it movement, you've become so entrenched within like your own head or this, this culture that how have you found it just explaining it to, to normal people as to what mm. you do and, and what, how, how it can benefit them? That is a great question. Bayon. An awesome question. And that's actually something that, uh, I've been spending the majority of my energy in the past couple of years actually trying to do because um, I, I noticed I was, I was scrolling through your, your stuff earlier today and one of the things that stuck out to me was um, you mentioned movement and then it's like whatever people perceive move, the word movement to be and when you say the word movement to like people who've never really had a taste of this community, they don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone in the movement community is, um, they can relate to that in some way, shape or form. And I think for me, this was a problem 
important because the whole reason I got into the movement culture and community and that whole philosophy and lifestyle in the first place was because I could see that there was so much movement lacking in the world and there was a lot of dysfunction and pain and stress and just a lot of ill effects as a result of that. And the problem with getting too deep into the movement and I've been, I've been quite deep into it myself. And, you know, I was with, especially with Edo, that was like this, like a really, really, really deep dive for me personally. And look, I'm not even, I'm not even someone who went as deep as some other people. Right. So, but as deep as I went, I found that it was actually completely, what I knew was completely alien to the majority of the people out there who really need this kind of stuff. Like the people that are already in the movement community don't really, like you can always enhance every skill. There's, there's, there's the nth degree to everything. Mm. But if it comes down to like, you know, um, wanting to better the world with these philosophies and to help people to better their relationships with their body so they can be a better person, they can be a better example, better father, mother, um, business partner, romantic partner, whatever it happens to be, then um, I've, I've strongly felt, particularly in the last couple of years, that uh, translating all this information to the common person, so to speak, who's never had a really taste of this and who's maybe never had a habit of exercising a lot or training a lot. Um, there's a huge importance to be able to communicate these ideas in a way that's not only simple, but relatable. Because if you can't resonate with someone on that level, um, it's going to be very hard to motivate them to even start because either they might find it intimidating or it's too complex and their brain shuts off or whatever it is human beings and human minds are very fickle. And like, what, like, uh, I like what you said before, you get really deep in this rabbit hole and you get stuck in your head. And that's, that's, that's what has been the case for me in a certain period of my life. And I could see in a lot of my contemporaries, the same kind of thing is that there's so much information to, to even take on, on yourself. It's hard enough to even take it on and then try to perform the movements and, and better your practice. But then it's a whole other ball game to be able to, Take that, and then um, if you are, if you do want to become a teacher, which I, I think the majority of people who end up going deep in this community want to become, it's a whole other ball game to to be able to um, explain all that stuff and and package it in a way that makes sense as a business, and and you know like there's so many there's so many balls to juggle, mm. and so that's that's been my um, been my that's where the majority of my energy has gone yep. in the last years and I've, I've finally come up with something that i'm very happy with and and that's train away your pain and so when you started getting out of this rabbit hole what was the um what was the motivating factor was it did was it because you started stepping up into that coaching role or like what started getting you outside of that um out of your head yeah it was a big part of it was um realizing what my role was um, I mean, from a practical perspective as well, because uh, I've been working at a gym in Botany in New South Wales, oh, sorry, in Sydney called um, uh, Jungle Brothers. Uh, and um, for those of you who aren't aware of that, it's basically a, it's a strength and movement gym where they teach a lot of um, bodyweight skills, calisthenics, gymnastics, acrobatic type stuff, locomotive flows, a lot of the stuff that the movement community really enjoy and what, uh, what the movement community has kind of become known for, like handstands and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also traditional weight training and all that. And um, what I realized when I started working there was that, A, I couldn't keep up the kind of training that the, uh, the, the, the Edo regime um, uh, demanded of me, which was like about six hours a day, four to six hours a day, um, because I was working head and tail of the day. And that's when I used to do my training when I was 
in my old job, um, mm-hmm. which worked perfectly. Like in my old job, I just wake up really early. I train for a couple hours work, change into my gear at the end of work and then hit the gym again. And I, I kind of love that at that point in my life, but I found that really hard to continue. And not only that, um, it was frustrating for me in the beginning because um, when you're so interested in something and then you can see so much value in it and then you ex- try to express it to people and then to feel that your words are kind of falling on deaf ears mm-hmm. and they're not either taking it seriously or they're not interested. Um, when you can clearly see this, there is some be- there's not only some benefit, but a lot of benefit to them. It forces you to have to change your game. Otherwise you're going to get stuck in that loop of frustration and, and, the, the other side of things as well as a, as a teacher and a coach and someone who's running a business who's doing this, it's not practical. If people aren't listening to you, they're not going to want to pay you. Yeah. And then, so that becomes another force that you need to, to deal with in, in your everyday life. So, um, you know, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a, a journey. Um, a lot of transformations have had to happen in order for me to get to a place where I'm balancing all of those aforementioned elements. Mm-hmm. you know, in a harmonious way. Um, so, yeah. It's seeming like um, when you started getting serious about this, especially on the business side, that that's what like motivated this positive change so that um, you could communicate with, with other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Were there any other like clear aha moments that you came across when you're like, Oh, you know, I've been trying to do it this way, but then actually I need to tell them that way. Um, that really transformed your, your thinking from going, okay, like, you know, movement's great. And it's all that movement to where it is now. So, um, it's funny that you asked that because where it is now isn't where it is going to be in like very shortly. Um, and I know that sounds really cryptic, but I'll explain why. So, um, in part of the journey of, uh, my, my movement journey, um, had a lot to do with my, uh, my outside of movement life. Like before I was a coach at jungle brothers and before I was running my own business, I was working, um, a nine to five job and I was working for an investment company. So, okay. so this was outside uh, of the fitness industry. Yeah. 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 It was completely out of the fitness industry. So I was, I've been, I've been a coach for jungle brothers and, um, my own business for like, uh, three and a half, just over three and a half years. But before that, I was with uh, um, I was doing um, general financial advice for BC Financial Group, which is the um, the wealth arm of Westpac. Mm-hmm. And um, so my role there was specialising in super investments and insurance. And uh, like at that time, I like the reason why I was training so much. Like not only was it because movement has always been a big part of my life because of martial arts and all that. Like I, we can get into that another time or later. But it was also a, an escape for me because yep. at that time I really, really hated my job. I really didn't, I really disliked having to dress up and be stuck at a desk and not being able to like physically express myself. And not only that, it wasn't really aligned with my values. Like I, I didn't feel like I was contributing very much in that job. Mm. So when the movement thing came, came into my life, um, it was kind of like this light bulb and this inspiration and I went head over heels into it. And that force at that time actually helped me to, uh, realize what was going on in my life and kind of forced me to sort of uh, reorganize things. Mm. And luckily enough, like the job that I was in actually taught me a lot about, uh, taught me a lot about money and most notably my very, very poor relationship with money. And like there was a moment in that, in like, I, I remember when I first got the job, 
and having to start going in and changing my routine and then realizing that the job was just super stressful and like um it was to me at the time it felt soul sucking uh i there was a lot of negative dialogue that was in my head which led to a lot of anxiety a lot of depression a lot of stress like you know just a really heavy feeling of stress and so i started getting into this kind of victim mindset you know like oh um you know like uh at the time i was very like you know left-leaning and i'm still kind of am in some ways but i was like oh man i can't believe i'm working for one of the big banks and like oh there's like nothing's like fucked up and you know like it was just uh, just a lot of negative dialogue around that and then was, and then one day i realized that the reason i was there was because uh i i'd made the decisions with my time energy and money that kind of led me there and until I'd fixed that, there was no way that I was ever going to have time to myself and time to develop and time to actually align my mm. life's energies towards my life's work and my craft. And so that, that change immediately made me much more focused at work, not to, not to um, uh, you know, become better at my job necessarily, because I was always very good at my job in the same mm. way that I was always good at school. You just kind of know what you need to do and you just mm. do it, you know? That, that, that wasn't a big issue for me, but the, the, the change in mindset was that I kind of started looking at, okay, well, what are the dynamics behind money? And like, what made me, what, what made me make the decisions that I made that led me to this point. And I realized that um, I just didn't know how to make sense of money. And therefore, like I always made the wrong decisions, which actually forced my hand to, to do things that I didn't want to do. So, <laughs> So I started to uh, try to understand the dynamics behind, you know, money and investing and stuff. So beyond what I needed to know for that job, I started to try and understand, okay, what was actually going on? And I was really lucky actually, because I not, not only could I examine my own situation, but I could examine the situations of all the people that I had to talk to on the phone about their super, about their insurance and all the worries that people had and all the stresses and, um, and you know, what people, what kept people up at night about it. And I could see there was this great feedback loop that I had because as I discovered more about myself, I was discovering more about people and what they thought about it. And the more I learned about specific weight, like specific, you know, investment type um, uh, information, I, could, I started to really connect the dots. And so I started doing like calculations, you know, in, in my own personal financial situation. And there was a, I remember there was a point where I, uh, I'd done all the necessary calculations and I knew what I needed to do. And as soon as I knew, I, I, I still remember this moment to this day, this huge weight just lifted off my shoulders and off my chest. And I was like, Oh my God, this is not going to be forever. And, what, this, and I know exactly how I'm going to do it. And what was that realization like that, that you knew that, you were going to uh, to do this work that you're doing now or um, yeah, maybe well, expand on that a bit. Well, I always knew that I wanted to do, wanted to get out of BT and start my own business and start something, my uh, start moving towards a career in, in coaching and, and in movement or, or, or a career in coaching um, where I was kind of running my own show and I was, I was expressing my true value out to the world. And um, like the, the light bulb moment was actually more to do with actually calculating. It was, it was actually kind of just knowing the numbers. And it, it, as simple as, as banal and simple as that sounds, it made me realize that I didn't have to be in that job forever. 
Mm. And I knew what I needed to do to build up the, the amount of reserves and energy and that I needed and how much I needed to make on the other side of that in order to be able to A, survive and then B, thrive and have a mm. secure future. Because that's ultimately what we want when we want to deal with like um, our health is we want to know that we have a secure future ahead of us, you know, no, no matter what happens, even if something like the pandemic, which is happening right now, and it's causing a lot of concerns financially and, and, and physically, mm-hmm. um, we, we, to me, as, as someone who's dealt a lot with like movement and injuries and pain and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's another injury and it's all, it's, it's just a global injury mm-hmm. and it's the attitude we take into dealing with this injury that's going to determine what our future looks like. And, and I'm sure you like, like me, you've probably seen people in the movement community who've had injuries and then they, because they are attuned with their bodies and they mm. continue to move and they don't just rest and um, take the fear and avoidance path, they get back on their feet so much quicker. Mm. And so if you can do, you can do that from, from a physical perspective, but you can also do that from a, from a financial perspective and they all, they're all interlinked. Yeah. I like how you're relating this. It's like not even just as a financial perspective but just as in life right in life shit happens um and then whatever you how you respond is how the next steps will will play out and i guess in some respects i I was reading a book about this as well it's like it affects how you reflect on the past as well so how you uh, are viewing the future can also rewrite your own biases to to the past as well Dude, I'm getting like tingles when you say that because that's exactly what happened to me. Because before that light bulb moment in my previous job, I was looking at my past in a completely different light. And that perspective was informing my decisions and then thus informing my future and the life that I would be living in the present moment. And then as soon as that, that light bulb moment happened for me, um, my future changed. Mm. And within a year and a half, I, I was out of that job. You know? And then three and a half years later, I'm building, I'm building this business. And I'm confident with the direction. And this is all from skills that I learned in a job that I once hated. So, you know, what is a curse or what feels like a curse or a burden could actually end up being a blessing. I love that because I'm sure there's um, a lot of people out there and even the ones, uh, some people who might be listening to this as well, uh, who might be in that position where they're kind of like, oh, I'm stuck in this job. I don't really want to do this. You know, uh, when, when can I get out? But you know, this journey that you've described here kind of sums it all up. It's like you can, you can rewrite your own past and write your, your future going forward as well and look, look where you are now. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, you know, so there's a, a big part of it is the belief, but you also need the on-the-ground tools and mm-hmm. you need to understand, like, you know, there's, there, are, there are physical actions that you need to take in order to make it happen. You can't just, you know, do it all in your head. You have to have it in your head, put a juggle the, your, head, your head with your hands and actually act upon that and have the, the strength and the courage and the willingness and the discipline to be consistent with it. So did, was this time aligning for when you kind of started researching or getting more heavily into what we might term this, this movement culture? Uh, was that before or after? What, what, was, what was the timing like with the physical practice side with, I guess, this internal change that you experienced? So uh, I, w- I got into it a little bit before that job. I was working in JB Hi-Fi actually before that. And, um, you know, it was, it was fun. It was a fun time, but it started to get really repetitive. And I started like not liking, you know, selling um, stuff that I didn't think people needed at the time. But that was also a very kind of 
you know, it, you know, looking back, it's a slightly less mature way of looking at things. I was just mm. really deeply itchy to, to, to do my thing, you know? And um, at the time, uh, I remember my friends from, from Capoeira. I used to do Capoeira about 10 years ago. Oh, awesome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he was the one that actually introduced me to, to Ido's work. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, I kept seeing that stuff floating around my, my social media and stuff. And then I started to get a bit more into it in, at, when I was working at JB Hi-Fi. And then um, once I changed the jobs, then that's when I had a bit more structure to my week and that's when i started to make plans and uh set aside time and really devote my energy to to building it uh like building my practice mm. um is it quite yeah. i find it that interesting because sometimes when people get this you know that that sounds like sometimes like quite a full-on finance job as well um sometimes when you go into those um those environments you're also like oh i don't have energy to do anything else but you kind of went the other way if you mentioned you know you're practicing beforehand and after like what what was it about it that just drove you to do that well look i've always been a big believer in spending my best energy on myself and that way i can be of better service to others mm -hmm. so me like not only was it an escape from the stresses of the, of the job but i also understood that if i wanted to develop myself in in a physical way in a philosophical way whatever you want to call it just develop my whole being i needed to actually you know i needed to actually put aside the time and, and, and actually act on it in a consistent way um yeah does that answer your question yeah it does it does um it's uh yeah, I think it's like one of those things where, again, it's like your narrative towards the the practice as well. For for some people, exercise can just mean ah, oh, it, it's tiring. But for others, if you do exercise, you can walk away and you can feel amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's all in the framing. I heard um I heard a quote recently. I think it was a Teddy Roosevelt quote, which was like, um, I'm paraphrasing here. It's like uh, there's nothing like rather than letting fear hold you back like if you understand where fear sits in the bigger scheme of of things then it won't be as big of an issue because you've got something much bigger to focus on and then the fear doesn't become this all-encompassing thing in your life mm. and you can replace fear with pain or stress or depression or whatever emotional state that you feel like is blocking you or holding you back but that, that i think that is really key and that's what drove me to uh, want to train is because I could see that like I wanted desperately for a future that was better than the one that I felt like I was like hurtling down because that's kind of what it felt like I was like man I keep feeling like I'm forced to do this I'm forced to do that forced to get up forced to do this and that was the narrative at the time but at the, at the end of the day that's physically what was happening I literally had to get up and, and work otherwise I couldn't um, pay the rent I couldn't feed myself I couldn't buy mm -hmm. stuff and etc but if I let myself kind of stay in that narrative, then I'm pretty much resigned to, okay, I have to be in this job that, you know, I feel like is draining me and et cetera. Um, but instead I was like, look, this is all fitting into a much greater thing that I want to build later. Mm -hmm. So I really need to start putting time and energy into it now. So that actually happens. Like I can't just one day wake up five years later and be like, Oh, I'm out of there. It doesn't work that way. Like you have to, you have to start building things mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you have to go through quite a bit of resistance and pain in the beginning. Uh, and a lot of hardship in the beginning to build something that is actually, you know, worthy, mm -hmm. you know, and worth a lot of value. You know? So how did you find that point when you were like, okay, this is it. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start my own business. Like, 
how did how did you know that you know this this was the time? Oh, um, well, funnily enough, like uh, while I was still, I think about a year a year before I left BT, I was looking, I was googling like movement sim movement gym Sydney, and then Jungle Brothers came up, and so I looked up the owners and I looked them up on Facebook to see if we had mutual friends, and we had mutual friends in the Edo community. So I'm like, oh yeah, these guys these guys have the same values as me. Yeah, because I didn't want to for a fitness first i didn't want to work for an any type of fitness mm. you know like i could already tell that that wasn't going to be fulfilling that would just be me going into the uh the fitness version of the finance job that i just that i already had so i was like okay cool i really need to like you know reach out to these guys i want to work for these guys because these are the only guys that i feel like are matching my values that i had at that time mm-hmm. and so i reached out to joey um and we had a chat and then um like i, I came in for some classes i came in to meet them and then I, I, I told them my intentions. I was like, I really hate my job and I really love movement. And I know you guys are doing this new thing that like not many places in the world or Sydney or even the world are doing. And I want to be a part of this. And so they let me do a few, like that we, I started with a warm up on the Friday afternoon jungle gymnastics class. Is this like the first time that you were coaching at all? So but before then had you coached before or this was your first time? Yeah, yeah, it was my first time. It, it was, yeah, I've never done anything professional. But, you know, like, uh, you know, most people in the movement community are, are like the person that their friends go to for mm. like you know, fitness advice. So I was always that guy, but I'd never, I'd never run a class before. I'd never been in front of a group of people who'd paid money um, to learn from me. So it was, it was quite nerve wracking in the beginning. And um, because the Jungle Brothers community are quite tight knit, um, they wanted me to like be part of the tribe first. So I did a few classes with them, but it was only like for a couple of weeks and then um, they were like, Oh, generally we'd want you to be here for longer. So people get to know you a bit better and whatnot. Cause you know, when, when they see a fresh face, they're going to feel a little bit like iffy. They don't know who you are and all that kind of stuff. But they seriously, like they, they helped me out a lot cause they, they fast tracked me, uh, threw me into the deep end and like, you know, over, like over time, the, the tribe embraced me and it was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was obviously challenges in the beginning, but, um, you know, like I started with the, uh, the, the warm up, and then I did, I ran that whole jungle gymnastics class for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think around three years back in like July, oh no, no, that, no sorry. July was when July was when I was doing just the one class around August, October, I was like, I, I really had enough of BT cause I, I was traveling to jungle brothers beforehand to do stuff. And then I was traveling to work and then, mm just getting a bit much and just experiencing the contrast of being in an environment that I wanted for a few hours and then having to go into this other environment that I didn't want to be in for like 10 hours. I was just like, oh, like I, the itch in me was just getting too much to bear. So I was like, okay, guys, uh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit my job in a month. I've already, Oh no, I think I, I think I'd already quit my job before I told them. <laughs> I can't remember that. I can't remember now, but I just remember when I told them, they, they told me later, they were like, they had a meeting that week and they're like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Like, we want this guy. We don't want to like give him up to someone else. Like, fuck, what are we going to do? All right, let's, let's make space for him. So they, they cleared the, the first two classes of Monday to Friday and they, and they gave me the two classes on Saturday. So I went from doing, I think I went from doing one class to taking all the mornings. Amazing. The week. Yep. Yeah. So this is quite, quite a quick turnaround from like just the first, um, the first time you started take, taking the warm up, and then you were like, okay, like I can do this. This is, this is pretty good to so then you're just like, all right, that's it. I'm off. I'm quitting my job. And then suddenly you're just, you're teaching like every day. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was huge. It was massive. Um, and uh, look, I have I have the uh, the background that I that um, the Edo Portal movement uh, method gave me that discipline, that the depth of knowledge, and just the the experience. Like I had that confidence going in, so mm-hmm. that really 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 helped a lot. Um, and then it was just a matter of learning the ropes in in the in the classes and getting to know people. And then within a couple of weeks, people knew me, and you know, like I was just part of the I was just part of the furniture. <laughs> um, I haven't heard it put that way before, part of the furniture, <laughs> but I, but I like it. Um, so, how is your yeah? How has your coaching developed over the years? I'm guessing at the start, you know, it would have been quite a steep learning curve, taking it from your body and your own experiences to to people or like just normal people, right? And then to where you are now, maybe do you want to describe that journey from, you know, this initial Jungle Brothers time to where you are now with Train Away Your Pain? Uh, yeah, so I think the biggest challenge in the beginning was um, communication. That was, that was the biggest, biggest challenge. Uh, like, like I said earlier, most people, I, I took in a lot of life experience and, 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 and training experience uh, from the years that I was training pretty hard in my old job uh, to uh, uh, basically people who were at the beginning of their training lives. And like training to them was a set much, much more secondary, like maybe not even a second priority in their lives. It was like really, really far down. And they were kind of just there because they needed to offset some of their lifestyle choices. Mm. So you know, like I came across a little bit of frustration um, in the beginning because I didn't feel like I was connecting with people and people weren't connecting with what I was trying to say. So like that kind of forced me to, it was, it was in a way um, liberating because I didn't have to go into the same level of detail as I normally would. But at the same time, it, it was more challenging because I had to explain the, the encyclopedic knowledge that I had to someone who was still learning their um, alphabet. So it, it had to, I had to actually completely change my attitude as well. Because up until that point, I was pretty gung-ho about training. Like it was like, you know, do or die and like, you know, go hard, you know, like do the volume, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's a really useful for like people with a particular set of like, goals and also genetic capacity and also resources within their lives to do so and a goal that they want to be like a circus performer or like you know whatever they want to be like a high some high level physical performer but i think for most people like they just want their bodies to work well so that their lives go smoothly mm-hmm. and so they can experience what they want in their lives and that was a big learning curve for me because i went in thinking movement was everything you know movement is life yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> And stand every damn day, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and yep. that, that's great. If that's, the, if that's what you want to go, like the, if that's the road you want to go down, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and power to you. Um, but I think like uh, having a bit of like thinking about it from a business perspective as well. It's like there, because of that boom in, in, in movement, um, the, the market was starting to become saturated with people who were teaching the same skills. Mm-hmm. you know the same handstand skills the same locomotive stuff you know the same kinds of scat mobility hip mobility like active stretching and all that kind of stuff the same kind of stuff was coming out 
Mm-hmm. And it was starting to turn into an, uh, another version of the fitness industry where like the fitness industry will put out a billion exercises. And you know what? It doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that all that information is out there. Like if, if it was, if the world, if the world's problem and the cause of the world's problems was a lack of information, then the internet would have solved that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's kind yeah. of like with the whole uh, COVID thing. Like I noticed that everyone who was running a business within the fitness space we're starting to put out all this like workout from home stuff. But if you think about it, you can just go back and YouTube stuff like, Oh, how to do bodyweight exercises. And there's like a million, billion, trillion things that already existed before COVID. It just wasn't packed, packed, packaged in the way that it was like, Oh, workout from home, but it's the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's not the, that's not where the, the work lies in, in my view. You know, the work lies more in the way that people, you know, perceive themselves perceive the abilities that they have and perceive the resources that they have available to them. And that has everything to do with our previous, um, you know, bit about the finances. Like one of the things that I, um, that I realized was that if you don't sort your finances out, your finances are going to sort you out. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be at the behest of, you know, your financial plan or your lack of financial plan or your lack yep. of financial literacy. So like, and, and this came out of, you know, feeling, that I needed to do like four to six hours of training. I'm like, oh, if I've got to put that time, all that time in, I need to have so many elements of my life sorted out so that I do have the luxury and the resources and the capabilities mm. to be able to put that kind of time in. And what was a major holdback in time? It was the fact that I was forced to go into to a job, you know, into a job that took a lot of time from me. Mm-hmm. And so you, you wanted to juggle a job plus your training, plus a relationship, plus a family or whatever. It's, it's, it's impossible. Like it's yep. really quite good. It's it, something's got to give, you can't have, you can't have everything. So, you know, you kind of need to decide what you want and what you want to focus on. And then a big part of that is to organize all that is to actually make sense of your resources, you know, and yep. the, the biggest resource right now, like the biggest resource for anyone is money because like, um, yeah, like, like I said, like if you don't have your money sorted, it's going to sort you out, yep. you know? So for me, I, I've, I've been slowly building myself into a position where um, like I've got, like if you were to look at train away your pain, it's about gaining complete physical confidence so that you can perform at your very best in life. But that's the health aspect of what I do as a, as a person or a coach. Mm-hmm. What I do is like, I want to help people with health, wealth and self-expression. So oh, okay. have their, yeah. So have your body sorted out, have your bank account sorted out so that you can devote your best energy to your craft and to your life's work. Mm-hmm. You know, because ultimately for me, that's been what without that has been highly dissatisfying and highly stressful and depressing. And once I started to bring in each element, my life started to become exponentially better. Like just, it just every time I get one of those things sorted out, a, a huge weight lifts off my chest. Like mm-hmm. I've had multiple experiences of this weight lifting off my chest because of sorting elements of these parts of my life out. Yep. And have you found, um, how is that conversation normally when it's like people come to you and, you know, they come to you for, for their bodies primarily. Uh, and then you want to represent like a wider scope, such as like, let's talk about your money or the way you self express. I'm, I'm guessing sometimes like that's a, that's also a hard game or you, you might not have permission to enter into these, these other areas. So <laughs> I'd be interested to hear a bit more about that. 
why are you asking about my money? I came here for exercise. Yeah. 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 It, so that's a great question. And so that's why I've actually separated the businesses out. Mm. So if people want to come to me for movement, I'm not, like, that's where they're at. That's what they want. I'm not going to force them. I'm not going to force their hand. But the thing is, if they followed me on, on social media, if they're part of my mailing list or whatever, they're going to know at some point there's, they're going to know that that's what I do. And if they listen to this podcast, that's, they know that, mm-hmm. you know, so if they just want the movement thing, great. This, I have this product, I have this service called training where you're paying. Yep. And, um, I've had people in the past come to me for financial literacy coaching. And so that would be a separate product. And so that's, <laughs> that's, that's an arm that I've been developing at the moment. Thanks to all this time that has been made available to us because of this, um, this pandemic and this lockdown. Um, I've been one of the fortunate ones that has been able to actually settle myself and actually uh, bunker down and sort of bide my time and use the, t- the new amount of time available to invest in something that's been kind of on the back burner for a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So to answer your previous question, like if, you know, I wouldn't ever open up that conversation with clients that, I can't, that have come to me because they've got back pain. I'm not going to suddenly be like, oh, let's have a look at your suit. Let's have a look at your relationship with money. You know, like <laughs> it's too far. Like, and, that, and that's the yeah. problem with uh, what we talked about initially with like movement and getting your own head about the, about the, the language and the communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cause like, even with movement itself, like the, the concepts that people like you and I kind of, are sec- it's a second nature for us to, to sort of conceive of and, and play with because, you know, we're always thinking about it and we're all, we, our social media feeds, I bet your one looks like mine. It's just heaps of people doing flips and cool stuff, mm-hmm. inspirational things. Most people's, most people's heads and feeds are not filled with that stuff at all. So, so for you to explain, they, they just want to lose weight or they just want to get strong. They want to look mm-hmm. sexy. For you to then start talking about like, oh, the, the virtues of balancing and like holding and balance and wine. Like they don't, they won't get it. Like, yeah. Unless they think that's cool already. And then they, they you know, you, you start using that as a bit of a breadcrumb trail to get them to the thing. It, it's super hard to then just to start talking about handstands with someone who just wants to lose weight and get strong and look sexy. So, so like my, my advice to, to anyone who's in that position, if, if you're, if you're a movement professional, fitness professional, health professional, is you've got to really understand who you, who you want to serve, how you want to serve them and, and how they actually think and what language they actually talk. Because until you bridge that gap, it doesn't matter what you know, it's not going to land. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful message for, for anybody out there just um, wanting to spread their passion. Really? You know, it's like uh, when you get outside of it, it's like, okay, how can you make someone else understand what you love so that, well, not that they can love it, but at least understand, you know, the benefit that it's provided you as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I'll do that, like sign up understanding what it is that like helping them to reveal what they love and the love and the power that they have within them. Yep. Because everyone wants to be the hero of their own story. Everyone wants to lead their own lives. They don't want to be, to be pulled into an ideology or pulled into a way of doing things or pulled into someone else's story or someone else's journey. Like most people actually crave having somebody help them to reveal the, the, their own story and their own power and their own journey. And kind of like the sculpture that, that, that exists underneath all the pieces of rock that are chipped away. They want, they want that. They want their own version. Of that. Yep. So I love that. If you, if you, I love that. I'm a big fan of the the concept of the hero's journey myself as well. And I think it's like quite integral to, to the way we operate as, as humans. So I'm, I'm glad that you br- brought that up. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is, you know, if someone was to come to you for like train away your, your pain and then 
they say, okay, yeah, like my shoulder's hurting or something like that. Like what, what does the process sort of look like as to what you take them through? Like, um, yeah, what, what does that coaching look like now? I'm glad you asked that. Um, so if let's say, let's just use that example you gave. So shoulder hurts. So like the, the general thing that we would, we would do is we would talk about starting a coaching relationship because I'm not really that interested in just giving somebody some exercises and then trusting them to go off and do it on their own mm. because 99.9% of the time in my three and a half years of running, a, uh, like being a, a, a group uh, training coach and also as a private training coach is that most people, they cannot. And for the reason that I mentioned before is that their, their lives are, are filled with so, already so filled with stuff. You can't, you can't put any more into there. It's just going to fall out. And that's what happens with, movement and exercise um so like they they have to understand that if they want to get rid of this this pain there's a coaching relationship that is going to be at least medium term it, can't, it, won't, it won't be a matter of a few sessions and it's gone mm. if, it, if it is a few sessions and it's gone more than likely it's temporary mm. you know it's very temporary and the thing is you haven't addressed the patterns that created them in the first place and the coaching relationship that i want to have with people is that we, we, get into, we get into a relationship where you listen to what's happening in your body. You listen to what I'm trying to tell you and, and convey to you in regards to how I've understood how movement, physical movement with the body works. And then try to, over time, link those dots together. Because ultimately, when someone comes to me with pain in the shoulder or their spine or their hips or their knees, it's, um, it's usually most people don't come to me because they've just broken their ankle and they're like, Oh, what's wrong with my ankle? Like, you know, what's wrong with your ankle. You broke it. Right. Most people aren't in that position. Most people they'll go about their day, their, their lives. And then one day they'll wake up and they'll be like, ah, oh, mother, like their back hurts or their knee hurts mm-hmm. and they can't they're limping around or something. So those kinds of pains are built up of chronic issues. Mm-hmm. Chronic issues, most people that come to me are generally about 30, 40, 50, around that age range, where they've had a life experience to, to um, unfortunately experience uh, the results of some of the choices that they've made in their mm. lifestyle. So these are like patterns that have been generated and, and ingrained and enforced for like decades, at least a decade. But most people, it's like two decades, three decades, four decades. Wow. So even so- if it's one decade, you think five sessions or 10 sessions is going to fix a decade's worth of work. Mm. Not a chance, not a chance. If even if, okay, then I'll entertain the possibility that there might be some people who can, but that would be the absolute minority. There would be the outliers. So we're, we're talking about fighting a pattern that's existed within a person, within you or whatever for decades we need to spend a bit of time, slow things down a little bit and actually understand what you've been doing physically to create those, um, those, those patterns and that pain. And then we need to put a new pattern in its place, a new habit, a new way of uh, moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, you covered off a, a lot, a lot through there and it sort of touches also on this, um, I, I wanted to ask you about this distinction between what you provide versus, like, you know, there are chiropractors out there, there are osteos, physiotherapists. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, like, you're not formally trained under any of those, uh, are you? Um, uh, under those, like, institutionally um, certified kind of, yeah. Yeah, so I find it, find it interesting because you, you have to take a, 
quite a different approach from the very start with your relationship with these people to, um, to work with them to, I, I mean, essentially all these services are addressing the similar problem as well. So, um, when you talk to people about this and you talk about a coaching relationship, um, how do they normally respond? Because I guess society's expectation normally is like, yeah, you go in, go into a physio, get a rub out or something like that. And then I'm, I'm done. I'm fixed. I mean, I, yeah, I remember during university, I used to be like that as well. So, um, yeah, maybe take us through what people's responses are normally like, how you sort of allay their fears, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would ask, uh, I would ask everyone listening to um, think about, you know, like if, if going to a physio or a chiro and, and, and the format of the support that they offer was enough, there wouldn't be that many people walking around going like, oh, I went to this and then oh, it didn't really work for me. And like, oh, I went to, went to the physio, they gave me some exercise, but I never did them. You know, those are the generally common problems. Like so, they, they, I'm not saying that they're not useful. I think that they're useful in a certain like on, on a certain spectrum. So like, for example, if you're, if you've gone to hospital for surgery and then it's impaired your movement and motor function somehow, you need a physio, you need someone to go through and, and give you those really, really basic exercises and give you that support within that environment to get you out of that environment and back into real life. But then what they're providing there isn't actually helping you to go to, to increase and optimize your health. What they're doing there is very much like, it's kind of like the whole, um, a lot of people in, 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 our, in our field with, with movement, they, they tend to be very antagonistic towards the healthcare system because they're like, oh, these guys don't really fix anything and they're not really called, they shouldn't be called the healthcare system. Mm. And while I agree with that, like they actually play a very important role and I would probably change the language around that and call it alive care. Mm -hmm. They care about keeping you alive. But generally speaking, doctors, nurses, people who work in hospitals, my sister works in a hospital and she tells me all these stories, so I, you know, and other people I know work in hospitals they don't generally see healthy people. So their idea of health is very skewed based upon their, mm. their exposure to, to people. And then we have on the other end, elite athletes who are genetic freaks. They have a lot of money behind them. There's a lot of money at stake for their performance and they have teams that are supporting their training. Most people sit in the middle. They don't sit on either end here. Yeah. And, there's, and when it comes to like physios and chiros and stuff, they're more sitting on this end of the spectrum where it's like more of the alive care. Let's keep you, let's just keep you moving. Let's not, let's, take you out of a really, really negative state, but they generally don't, um, it's not that they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the support format to carry somebody through the stages of health that exist beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. So the difference that I, that I bring is that I, I'm, I've set my business up and my training program up so that I'm always providing constant support for people. So for example, so to go back to your previous question, like what does training look like? Well, first of all, like I said, it's the coaching relationship, but then that's the mindset. What does it look like on the ground? On the ground, a person will typically start and do maybe about eight to 12 um, private sessions with me. So they understand how I work, what I'm trying to do with them, and they understand all the new exercises. There's a lot of stuff to go through so that they can train really well. But then ultimately, um, what I've realized is that the people that I've trained in the past have only trained once a week. They never really got anywhere. Um, uh, people who train, and this is not with me, this is with like, you know, with Jim. So uh, for example, at Jungle Brothers and my sister's also a really great example. She started training somewhere up north and she was training a, a minimum of three times a week. And she went from like, you know, like she was carrying a, a bit of excess, um, excess fat. She wasn't, she wasn't fat, but she was just skinny fat. You know what I mean? She was really weak. She was really noodly. Then within six months, I remember I saw her, I met her on the beach one day and she was walking towards me with a singlet and I was like, she looks pretty fucking like 
lean and jack. And I'm like, you've never seen her. <laughs> I already had like anecdotal evidence of someone that was very close to me in my life, that is very close to me in my life. Um, the power of training consistently. Mm-hmm. So three times a week is super, super, super important. Like you literally get nowhere if you don't put at least three sessions in a week. And I'm talking about an hour sessions. That's bare minimum, bare minimum. So I've set my, my program up so that people join after their foundations program, a, um, a private group coaching program um, and a timetable that exists so that they have three times, a time and a space to train three times a week. Mm-hmm. And um, since I started it in February, um, I ran it for about six weeks before we had to lock it down. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients who was doing one or two sessions with me over about eight months or so, she was getting some results, but it was hard because outside of our sessions, sometimes she, had, she was busy and she couldn't go to the, go to the Jungle Brothers classes and she wouldn't do other stuff outside of that. But as soon as I implemented three times a week, she went from not, having, not ever having to, uh, the ability to pull herself up to being able to hold herself up in, in, in at the top of the push-up position and let her down, let herself down really slowly. So doing like a negative or an eccentric. So she'd never been able to achieve the strength to hold that position, nor mm-hmm. the strength to roll her way down. And that was just from six weeks. So Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, right. So for, for me, like the there's like four cornerstones to train away your pain that I've realized are essential if you want to gain complete physical confidence so that you can actually perform at your very best. And the first one is mindset. So that's what I was saying before about that coaching relationship and that, you know, it's, it's, it, you're combating decades of, you know, improper relationship to your body. The second one is consistency. Without consistency, it doesn't matter what I know, like you, you still have to do the work. I can't, hold, I can't be there with you the whole week. You've got you've to do stuff on your own and you have to do it at least three times a week. And then it's safety. So it's helping people to move in new ways safely so they don't have those fears about either, you know, making their pain worse or giving themselves a, a costly injury that's going to cost them either um, money, time or, or energy in their lives. And then it's about mastering the basics. So that's the fourth cornerstone. It's like the basics of human movement, basically upper body, lower body strength and, and core strength, as well as mobility and coordination. I love this. It's like such a practical practical way of seeing that i'm sure that for a lot of people when they first hear this it must be quite refreshing it's like okay okay yeah like if i follow that then maybe maybe i can do it but i guess also emotionally it's very hard then to break into new habits to to have the consistency to find three hours per week to put in that work but i know for myself you know through my uh, physiological change sometimes when you're always like heavily practicing as well you're always looking for you know the gains here and there every session but then when you zoom out and then reflect you're actually like ah you know it actually did take me months to actually get anywhere to to train and like i'm sure i'm training a lot more than everyone else so yeah you you go for, for other people like you have you have to put in the work over time to to make things happen oh Oh, definitely man the consistency is huge it's it's, Mm. it's huge like yeah like you said like the amount of the small amount of gains that you perceive that you got is it was probably you know it was probably fairly significant based upon what you knew about yourself before and then after, but it's it still took a certain amount of time and work right. So and you're like and I had the same experience. I was like, man, I'm training a lot. Like I was the guy in the office that would turn up in there. Oh no, actually I'll turn up already dressed, but I like you know I, I was known as the guy trained before and after 
the gym. And I was a complete anomaly, complete anomaly. And then people would come to me and ask me like uh, for, for advice about stuff. And I remember one of the guys asked me like, oh, I, gotta, I, I think I injured my wrist. It's really painful. And I was like, what did you do? He's like, oh, I just tried to do a push-up. Yeah. And I was like, damn, damn. You know, like, you know, most people don't realize the state that they're in. You know, mm -hmm. they think that they should be able to do certain things, but there's, there's no awareness of the capacity that they need to perform stuff that they think is completely normal. And also the capacity that their body has kind of like regressed towards based upon, you know, always um, being, you know, uh, work or relationship or socializing or fun or partying before their physical health. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes it's a bit of a shock when um, like years pass by and you always remember, I think sometimes of when you were at like physical peaks as well. Uh, and it was like, oh yeah, I should be able to do that. I should be able to do, do, do this. Um, you know, I've, I've been the victim of that after, you know, long holidays as, as well. So I can imagine if like after decades of, of certain habits, how that could really affect you. Oh, definitely, definitely man. One, I see it every day. One thing I wanted to ask you as well, because it's in the, in the name, Train Away Your Pain. You know, what do you think you hear from your, um, from your clients as well about like just common misconceptions about, about pain? Do you do any sort of re-education re around that concept as well? Definitely, yeah. Um, so the first piece would, is something that I've already mentioned, which is there's, there's two major types of pain. And one of them comes with acute injury. So if I were to hit you, you would feel pain. Um, if you were to fall down some stairs and you broke your ankle or something, that's pain, right? But that's pain that's accompanied by physical damage or what I like to call a disconnection of physical tissues, mm -hmm. right? But most people, I would contend, they, the pain that they have, are gen like they could come from an old injury, but sometimes it just, it's just a completely new place and it just comes from the fact that they've been sitting too much, the body's weakened, and it's a distress signal. So these are kind of like what the healthcare system would call chronic pain, right? But that doesn't really, I don't feel like personally, even for me, that gives me any idea of what that is. Um, and I, I, would, I would probably say that most people, most normal people who don't really train that much would even register that. It sounds too technical. So the second type of pain would be pain that is associated with, with like that doesn't come with a disconnection of physical tissues, right? Um, a really good example, I made a post about this recently, uh, was a guy that I spoke to on the phone and he said that he had really, really bad back pain and he had to drive to the hospital one day to get painkillers because he was so desperate, he was hurting mm. so badly. And so it, it sounded pretty serious. So the first thing I generally ask people is like, okay, have you done scans? What kind of scans have you done? And what did the doctor say? Because I really need to know what the, the professionals from that system with all the gear and with all the, mm. the, the huge amount of knowledge that they have, what what have they determined about the state of that person's tissues, right? So this, he said, well, I, went, uh, this, I did a CT and I did an MRI and the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with it at all physically. There was physically mm. nothing wrong with my body according to their, their measures of um, right and wrong in, in that system. And to me, that was actually a relief. To him, it was very frustrating because as someone who's suffering from pain, you want to know what's causing yeah. it because then you know you can fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like being in a house that's leaking and like you have no idea where the freaking leak's coming from. Meanwhile, you have to live in like a house that's, you know, like your feet, feet are always sopping wet. You know, it's super frustrating. So for him, it was frustrating. But I said to him, look, this is actually great news because it means that you're working with a body that doesn't have 
physical disconnection of the tissue in the area of where you're experiencing the pain. Because if you did have physical disconnection of tissue in your lower back where you're feeling it, man, that's, that's a whole other set of things. I wouldn't be the right person to talk to probably mm. at this point. You yep. can go see a doctor, right? A surgeon maybe. So, so for people who are in that second group, and they're the people that I generally work with, or just people who want to establish a consistent practice of movement and, and, and gain, a, gain physical confidence, most, most people that I work with are generally in that category where there's no physical disconnection of, of, their, of their connective tissues in the area that they're experiencing the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people, I would generally uh, invite them and encourage them to see that as a positive thing and work with the pain and work to understand why that pain is there, where it's coming from, what it's actually trying to say to them, and then put a new pattern in place that actually makes a lot more sense from a physics, like a biomechanical physics point of view as your body relates to itself in physical space and and gravity in the ground. Mm -hmm. Because those broken relationships is what's causing this this pain. Yep. Okay. It sounds like really powerful, powerful work and... You know, when you were designing these processes, has this been like very informed from your, your own practice? Like, have you gone through like quite a, a few journeys through injury, through pain yourself, which has informed how you approach it with, with clients? Funny you ask that. Um, I have gone through periods of physical pain, but probably not to the same degree as other people. While I haven't had the same kind of pains as like what most of my clients come to me with what I have had is the benefit of having this sort of sort of just ingrained in the way that I think um, this kind of like sensitivity to potential injuries and trauma and stuff. So I, there's a way that I think that reflects into how I move and, and, and make decisions with my body physically and solve physical problems that I can see is missing with other people. And I can see when, like when I watch someone jump, for example, if they land in a certain way, I'm like, okay, they do that enough, I can see where the load is going and there's something is going to blow out in either the ankle or they're going to get some foot thing or they're going to get a knee thing or some lower back thing. Like something's going to go wrong. And if I was in that person's body, I would create these kind of adjustments to my alignment so that I'm actually having less impact mm. on my body. So a big part of it is actually developing the sensitivity and it goes back to what I was saying before is like having a better relationship with your body, which actually means when it comes to having a better relationship with another person, not about what you do it's about what you hear from that other person like how well you listen to your partner is going to inform how well how good your relationship with that that your partner is going to be and in this case your partner is your body it's, it's the partner that's been with you from the start and will be with you until the end so yep. how is how well are you listening to it and um i myself have been i've listened to my body very well from when i was younger um i've made mistakes so i have experienced the the consequences of those mistakes i can come from that position as well but i've also developed a lot of internal strategies like mindsets to approach movement in such a way that um is actually going to be more aligned with people people's goals um as opposed to like okay well you know you need to you're fat so you need to burn calories so you need to do high intensity uh interval training because of science the science the uh, journal said so and um then they just screw themselves up because they've gone too intense without realizing that hey biomechanics matters too but there's not really much way you can measure biomechanics other than eyeballing it and feeling it so that's the kind of relationship i want to get people in is that um you need to listen and then once you listen really well and your mechanics are working smoothly then hey if you want to do high intensity interval training you want to do some crossfit you want to do some crazy like spartan runs or whatever 
go for your life because you you can you can do it you can do it with and be confident that you're minimizing impact on your body it's one of those concepts that i think is um you know it has to be lived in and developed over time, right? Because it's like, oh, just listen to your body. But even I myself know that there's so many layers to this where you go, oh, I thought I knew my body, but now I, maybe I now know my body and then something might happen again. And then you're like, oh, now I'm knowing my body. So yeah. I'm guessing to, you know, the ordinary person as well, where they don't even have that dialogue to start off with as well. It'd just be completely alien. It is completely alien. And to anyone who's a professional in this area, I highly discourage using that as a line that you use with people because that will turn them off completely and your, your words will fall on deaf ears because I've tried that. I've tried that. <laughs> it's confusing. How yep. confusing do you think that person is? Yep. Yep. So, yeah. but maybe, yeah, I just wanted to cover a little bit just what, what your personal practice looks like at the moment or, or yeah, and how it sort of developed, you know, from those earlier years and to, to now. So um, a big part of what I do now, um, and this relates, I was actually going to add this on to your previous question. Um, I do a lot of, uh, follow a lot of fighting monkey work mm -hmm. at the moment, and I have done for the last three years or so. Mm -hmm. And a big part of their practice, which is like the anatomy of injury, earthquake architecture philosophies, mm -hmm. they, they resonated with me a lot. And I think it resonated a lot with um, a lot of the people that were participating in the workshops. Um, and those kinds, of, those kinds of philosophies are very deeply embedded in the kind of ways that I develop and deliver my services. And um, at the moment, my personal practice is relating more to like biomechanics and working with my slings, generating power through proper alignment of my body and using my muscles as or my slings as well as my muscles to create movement so that it's more fluid, it's uh, less impactful, but it's also more powerful and sort of like... Do you want to unpack uh, a little bit about that, that concept of sling? Because I mean, I've come across some of the Finding Monkey stuff myself, but I haven't yet had the chance to, um, you know, go to a workshop or anything like that. So, um, you know, for me, like as an outsider to that stuff, I, I see it's like, it looks like cool, amazing, but also very confusing. Yeah. So, um, uh, Joseph is purposely confusing. That's, that's, that's the position that he's chosen to deliver mm -hmm. his work and it's extremely effective. But it, it, I think it's, if you thought that what you just said is alien to people, fighting monkey stuff is way more alien. <laughs> but it's actually super useful for the average person. But um, I think Josef, as an artist, um, he, he wants to develop his work in a certain way that satisfies him as well. Uh, maybe, and I, don't, I really can't speak for what his, his general goals are, but I, I know that he, he likes to keep things kind of um, hidden from the student, so the student has some pressure and some space to, to work out the answer for him, him or herself. Mm -hmm. um, but like the, so was your question about slings or the, or the fighting monkey stuff? Yeah, I was using like the slings terminology as, uh, as the base. So yeah, when, when you say slings, like what, what do you mean by that? So um, the, the body is composed of a lot of different types of connective tissue and in the fitness industry and within the mainstream, populous the, the the most famous and uh coveted um connected tissue is the muscle right so everything's about hypertrophy or like 
you know, um, getting more definition or, you know, just getting big, getting jacked, whatever, which is great. It's fine. If that's what you want, that's cool. And I can, it's, it's also has a certain sex appeal to it. Um, and I think that's really important for, you know, like if you want to find a partner and stuff, like it's just, it's a primal thing. So there's a place for it. However, if you, if you allow that line of thought to manifest and just kind of go in that direction, you completely, um, you completely blind yourself to the fact that there's all these other connective tissues and systems within the body that support your life as you know. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to physical movement, like a lot of the time you probably know this yourself. Like if you learn from textbook, human movement is created by what? Muscle contraction. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is true. But, the, the, the universe is moving. It's not because of freaking human muscle that it's moving. There's just movement. You know what I mean? And like, if you, if you've done any kind of dance workshop, the, one of the first things I'll teach you is falling and you can let yourself go limp. And then you literally do the opposite of a muscle contraction, which is let it, let it relax. And your body will, your body will collapse. Your body will then move. And then it's up to you to then capture that movement and create the new and the next pattern, the next move, the next move. So um, how this relates to slings is that, the, the human body, as it comes to, to movement, it had all these pressures um, in our ancestry. So we had to survive like tooth and claw. So we had to be able to run, we had to be able to uh, hunt down our prey and stuff. So we needed to be physically capable. We also needed to be efficient because we didn't know when our next meal was gonna be. So if, if we had to just rely on our muscles contracting, we probably wouldn't have survived very long. We needed to adopt movement and physical strategies that actually created efficient and effective movement. And one of the primary ways that our bodies have developed to do that is through these, um, these sling networks. And these slings are, are fascial and they're, they're wrapped around muscle and wrapped around every muscle fiber. And that it's going through your whole network. For, for Marvel fans, um, I would liken it to Black Panther's suit. That's one <laughs> of the examples of, of uh, you know, from that universe of what I'm trying to talk about here because mm -hmm. Suit has the ability to absorb impact and create and then store that kinetic energy and fire it out. Mm -hmm. And that is what the, when I heard that, I was like, I was like, I'm so excited. So I'm like, that's what I do with my body when mm -hmm. I move in explosive and dynamic ways is that I store kinetic energy somewhere and then I let a channel it in a way that isn't just to do with muscle. It's going through a, a multitude of different connective tissues, one of them primarily being slings. And so how this relates to human movement is that, and the, the survival aspect is that, you know, fight or flight is, was the name of the game. So you needed to be able to generate enough how to fight or to run away. Mm -hmm. And all combative movements from martial arts and all athletic movements rely on um, optimal use of your slings. Mm -hmm. If you think about a throwing action, it's not muscle. It's not just muscle, I should say. You're actually, if you use too much muscle, that actually blocks the movement from, from coming out because your body is stiff. Your body needs to be like a whip mm -hmm. while also coordinating muscle contraction at the same time. So you need to be able to coordinate those two systems together and in a coordinated way so that you can actually produce these, um, these very fundamental patterns of like say running, throwing, punching, kicking, uh, jumping, all of those rely on uh, effective use of your, your myofascial slings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Make yeah, it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think the, analogies that you use bring it to like i guess not even myself but I'm, I'm sure like a lot of listeners out there they're going ah oh, yeah like i have experienced that you know like when you're trying to throw a, throw a ball you can't really stiff arm it you you need to it's almost like a relaxation um as you the more you relax sometimes the more your arm can operate as a whip and then the further it will go 
Exactly, exactly right. Mm. So you can't stiff arm a throw, you can't stiff arm a run. You have to, there's, there's like uh, rhythms of relaxation and contraction. Mm. How, how are you finding, so you used to train under like the, the Edo portal type system and then now like a lot of the fighting monkey stuff. How, how is that, like what are the differences there and how has that shifted from, from before to, to now? Um, the differences there is uh, when I was training under Edo's method, it was very acrobatics and handstand and like gymnastic strength based. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to do with this sling, slingy type stuff. And then I, as soon as I started the fighting monkey work, the very first, um, the very first time I experienced the, their workshops was in Brisbane. Um, Matt Rutley from stage six fitness in Brisbane brought them down. <clears throat> and the first thing that we did was, uh, rap music and then follow me and just try to survive. And so he was like jumping around and like doing these actually look, look super chaotic, but they were, there was order. You could see the pattern. You could see, well, actually you couldn't see the pattern, but you could see that there was some kind of order and then you had to try and like do it. And we all failed miserably. But then ultimately when we started practice, well, at least when I started um, practicing it, what I felt was um, to, to create these patterns, you actually can't think too much and you can't contract and tighten up too much. You need to actually allow the, the movement um, and the, the pressure waves, the kinetic energy that, mm. that, that you're creating and it's coursing through your body to pass through the body. If you don't allow that to happen, you're already like a, a split second or a beat behind and it's mm. going to throw the entire thing off. So um, I learned very quickly from the coordination practices that the, the slings were like really key. And luckily for me, I, I, was, I, I played a lot of um, throwing type, um, I did a lot of throwing type activities in school. I used to play a lot of like, you know, pegging the ball at my friends and stuff. So um, that really helped. Um, and also had a bit of a dance background. And also I loved martial arts and martial arts is all about, you know, generating energy and throwing a, a fast projectile um, out of your body. So all of those things kind of coalesced. And as I practiced the coordinations more and more, I loved them more and more. And I started to understand more and more about how these fascial slings, um, uh, how they contributed to human movement. Um, and then over time, like I started following people like Functional Patterns, um, who I really admire what they're doing with their, their work, um, particularly in like kind of like realigning people's spines and stuff like that. I really, because I know that Joseph is a really big believer in spinal posture because he comes from a Chinese medicine background mm -hmm. and Chinese medicine has always said you're as old as your spine. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's a, that's a set proverb that's been used a lot in the movement community. Um, and like, I find well, like Joseph stuff is really, really interesting with that kind of thing. Um, but functional patterns I find is I'm really interested in their work at the moment because, uh, a lot of the things that they're doing, I can feel, and I can see what they're doing, but I can also see that there's a lot of engineering behind their movements that I might not be privy to. I'm not really aware of because they, they think in a different way. Mm -hmm. So but I can see that their result, they're getting results and I've tried to feel those movements out for myself and I fucking love them. They're like one of, one of the, my favorite things to do at the moment um, in, during this period of lockdown is going out to the park at midday, going around, um, I chuck some music on and I have the speed tools from fighting monkey. So I yep. do some speed tools, some rotation cross work, you know, throw some strikes, throw some, uh, throw some uh, like throws with the arms. And then I'll take this uh, eight kilo steel mace out and I'll do similar kind of patterns to what functional patterns are doing. And I'm like, man, I can really feel certain things are happening that, that would be quite hard to articulate to a person. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I feel this tremendous sense of connection and rhythm and uh, flow with my, with my body. 
and um, especially out in the sun, shirt off, you know, absorbing the sun's rays and just like throwing things around, getting really rhythmic with your body. It's just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think you've just um, just nailed it right there. One of life's simple pleasures when you when you go out there, you just move under the sun and you're working on you know something that's dear to you. Like you could do that for days on end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you don't get too tired. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. It's, it's, it's serious. There's something that I want to like, like you. I want to help connect people mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Because you know? um, it's such a powerful. It's a powerful nourishment for us yeah and i think as you mentioned um before i think the the real big challenge is connecting these quite esoteric practices like fighting monkey functional patterns which to gen pop is like completely bizarre right to then making it relevant for for them um as as you try and understand the concept yourself as well right because you're still undergoing this journey of of learning oh yeah absolutely absolutely that's always the juggle, right? Your own practice, mm-hmm. your own learning, your teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that for me, I've, I went a little while thinking that I didn't know enough, but it, it was pretty obvious to me when I started working at Jungle Brothers that I knew too much. <laughs> and I've gotten started earlier. <laughs> I like that. So I that, 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 that. That flips it. It's like, it's almost like, you know, you know too much and then that stops you from actually helping more people. Yes. Because it goes back to what you were saying. You get stuck in your mm-hmm. head. Like, oh. And this, you know, like people who are the smartest people are the ones that generally doubt themselves. Mm. So there is one more thing I kind of wanted to um, ask you about because, uh, I, yeah, I guess we'll probably start wrapping it up now. But um, I noticed in some of your videos, you have like this golden golden dance pole in your in your room. Is this... Oh. <laughs> is this something you use or is it just uh, a fixture in your house maybe yeah i I wanted to ask a little bit more about that uh no comment (laughs) is there anything else that you would like to to share um no i think we've covered quite a lot today um Mm -hmm. yeah i hope it's i hope it's helped someone out there i hope it's inspired people to change their perspective and, and change their, their actions and, um, you know, path forward. I hope it's kind of shed some light on a few things for people. And, um, if you want to find me, I'm at, at train away pain, um, on Instagram and trainawaypain.com is another place you can reach me. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Facebook as well. Alan long, a double L a N and then long. And then I also have a new Instagram, uh, which is uh, underscore Alan Long. And that's where I'll be putting out a lot more of my financial coaching mm-hmm. information. So you're, you're, you're the first one to, uh, to hear about it and, uh, and, and publicize it. So, um, you know, oh, this, sneak peek. This, is, this is really exciting. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll follow that new profile and see all the new work that, um, that you're pushing out. And yeah, I'm really happy to hear that, you know, during this period of downtime that you were able to, you know, to get this this new new one up and rolling yeah thanks man i am as well i really appreciate the time and putting this together i really appreciate you jumping on and um yeah just sharing your story and taking us through all the experience that you've um so yeah that 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 you've that you've had so really appreciate that and i'm sure that all the guys listening will will too so and that's it that's episode seven of The Passive Hang. Thanks to Alan once again. Really super grateful for hanging out and chatting 
with you. I got a lot out of this, especially on reflecting on it afterwards. And for you guys, if you got something out of it as well, remember you can always like like the podcast, subscribe or pass it off to a friend. And if you have any questions for me, then you can also find me on Instagram at P. That's at P-H-A-O-N-P. You can just direct message me there. All right, guys, I'll leave it at that and hopefully see you for the next episode.